When my sons were younger, we lived in a home that had a family room in the basement. From time to time, when the boys were playing downstairs by themselves, voices would get raised, sometimes even in anger. I got a witness. If this happened, for example, when the Red Sox were playing on television and I did not want to miss the next pitch, you might hear me say something like, boys, work it out. If that didn't finish the argument, I might resort, resort to, boys, stop that fighting now. If even that was ineffective, you might have heard me shout something like, Jonathan Richard Raymond, Gregory Daniel, don't make me come down there. All along, I was hoping that I didn't have to get out of my chair and actually go down there. But if I needed to do that in order to impose order, I was prepared to do so. Once I promised to do that, it was always better for the boys to work out matters themselves so as to keep me from coming down the stairs. It was always better for both of them if they avoided seeing me coming down the steps. The history of Israel is a cyclic history of victory, leading to self-sufficient complacency, leading to arrogant forgetfulness, to wanton disregard of God, to sinful rebellion. Time and time again, God confronts his people, calling them to return, to be faithful, to care for one another, to work things out. But time and time again, they refuse and things get worse and worse. God has always wanted to and wants to use his people to love the whole world. But Israel refuses to be used in this way. And for the most part, neither will we, it seems. And so the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul explains to us what Jesus does. Like a father coming down to straighten out confused kids, Jesus leaves the grandeur of heaven and comes to be among us. This is Philippians 2. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as the mindset Christ Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus leaves his heavenly throne. He comes to earth as a baby. He grows into a man, and then he confronts us and talks with us and shows us exactly how to live humbly and selflessly. You might think, 
that for Jesus to stoop from heaven to earth is about as far as anyone can stoop. I mean, that alone would not be for the faint of heart. But no, Jesus' courage knows no limits. Not only does he become human, not only does he become one of us, not only does Jesus leave his godly prerogatives behind him at the throne, he submits to the worst that humanity has to offer. He endures humiliation, unjust accusations. He's framed by paid witnesses. He's abused, tortured. He's labeled as a criminal and given a very public criminal's death. Then he dies. The Lord of life, the creator, embraces death, permits death to have him, lays down and dies. But death is not the end of the one who told us that he was the resurrection and the life. Certainly not. Jesus, now in the kingdom of death itself, goes right on in and confronts death. Several weeks before, at Lazarus' tomb, he calls out to death and forces death to release Lazarus. But on that day, he stopped at death's door. Lazarus has been loosed from the hands of death. But this act of raising Lazarus is Jesus just serving notice to death that Jesus himself is on the way. But now on resurrection morning, Jesus doesn't stop at death's door. No. Jesus storms the very fortress of death. He defeats death by unmasking it, by showing us what it really is. He walks right in and demonstrates how powerless death really is. Death is stripped of its power to make us cower in fear. Death, though still an enemy, is now a defeated enemy, and we know that there is a better future prepared for us now that death has been defeated. When a dad descends to the basement to confront his kids, they're not excited about the coming encounter. They only think in terms of punishment and discipline. But when Jesus leaves heaven to come to us, he comes with an entirely different mindset. You remember the words from John 3:17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. It cost Jesus everything to provide this great gift of entry into the kingdom of God to us. We don't deserve the entry because of our sinfulness, because of our selfishness. We deserve judgment simply because we deserve it. But Jesus has a different idea. He comes humbly offers himself, restores order from our chaos, and invites us to follow. He gives himself for us. And Paul, back in that Philippians passage, explains the outcome of Jesus' sacrifice. Therefore, 
God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are so grateful that Jesus came down here. We are so grateful that he came with love and healing in his hands, with compassion in his mind, rather than with condemnation and judgment. We are so grateful that his victory on Calvary's cross means that the doors of the kingdom of God are open, open for us, and we can enter. We are so grateful that we have an invitation to enter that kingdom, each of us, here and now. If you have not responded to the gracious invitation of Jesus Christ to enter his kingdom, I implore you to do so now. In your mind, humble yourself before him. Thank him for his invitation to enter his kingdom. Surrender your selfish ways to him and ask him to guide your life. Acknowledge him as Lord and Master and he will give you new life. Don't allow the gift of new life in Christ to be offered in vain. Receive his gift. Receive Christ into your very self. He is the one who makes all things new. Today, Jesus is exalted. All authority is given to him and we crown him king of kings. To God be the glory, great things he has done. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen. Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.